Our text is Revelation chapter 9, Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. We've been doing a series now on how are people tormented eternally. And I, I promise you, when I first started this series, I thought, one, it might develop into two sermons, but I thought one for sure. I was looking here at my title, part 11. But we've been covering different places from the Bible where it talks about what hell is right now. And we've shown you things from that, but now this is getting to look into specifics of torment in, in that place that uh, I wanted you to see. And so over the next uh, couple of weeks, two to three weeks, <clears throat> that's wishful thinking, uh, that we will see that and then we'll get in uh, to see all of those things as they develop. But let's look at verses 1 and 2 here of Revelation chapter 9. And the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now shall we pray. Father, as we look at this verse, now we begin to see things, Lord, that directly from the pit, and I believe serves as part of those torments for those that are there even right now. So Lord, I pray that as we go into this message, Lord, we want to exalt Christ, and yet for people to understand, a holy God must punish sin, for the wages of sin is death. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, Lord, I pray for one who has not come to you in repentance and faith for salvation, trusting solely in the shed blood of Christ for their eternal life. I pray that they would come to him today, the resurrected Savior, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, when one reads in chapter 8, at the beginning there, you find out that there is going to be seven Trumpet judgments. Now, in Revelation, you have seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, or seven vials, if you want to say it that way, but they'll be poured out. And here now is the trumpet judgments, and uh, they're going to affect the earth and all the inhabitants that are on the earth. Now, understand, we're not here if we're saved. We've been caught up to be with the Lord. The rapture will take place before those things do. But there'll be people left behind, and they'll have an opportunity to be saved then, and yet many of them will reject it. I believe 1 Thessalonians, uh, or 2 Thessalonians, should I say, chapter 2, kind of shares that with us, that uh, there are those that had an opportunity, the Holy Spirit moved in their heart and life, they saw their need, they knew they needed to be saved, and they rejected it. I think it's going to be impossible for them to get saved during that time. But I do believe that there'll be people that can be saved, because they were never, never under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They were never had that opportunity. You say, well, maybe I'd be better off not to witness then so I don't cause so many people to miss out if they're here when the tribulation happens. No. First of all, their blood will be on your hand if you don't witness. And secondly, well, over half the world's population dies during that seven years. So, uh, you know, just, just don't look for an excuse not to do what the Lord has told us to do. And we are to be witnesses for the Lord. So, the angels uh, there, they're, they're sounding their trumpets, and 
those judgments are poured out on the earth. And then an angel in verse 13, we find out, uh, tells of three woes that are going to come with the last three trumpets, uh, when angels sound their trumpets. Uh, the first trumpet with this woe of the, really be the uh, fifth trumpet sounding in chapter 9, verse 1. That's one we see here, the fifth angel sounded. And that's going to be also the time of the first woe. Now, a woe speaks of great, intensive Greek, uh, Greek grief and uh, troubles to the inhabitants of the earth. Uh, it'll take more than a mask to, <laughs> to defend those people at that time. Okay? Uh, so these are things that are going to happen to the earth. And the entire eighth chapter has been unfolding there, talking about judgments on the earth. I mean, it's good to read that eighth chapter just to see things are going to happen to the earth. But then, there near the end of the chapter, verse 13, it says there's three more woes to come. It's going to be worse than what you already read there. And so, we look at those things. These woes begin to hit... And we begin to see things about this place that we refer to today as hell. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 11 will actually cover the first woe. And it's important that we understand that. Because the hell we're talking about and the fiery uh, smoke that comes up, you know, the smoke comes out, out of this pit that we'll read about. That's from hell now. That's not from the eternal lake of fire. Now, we do know death and hell will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. As we've told you in the past few weeks now, you say, what's the difference between hell now and the lake of fire? The lake of fire now is hell on steroids because it's going to be even worse. But you don't want to go there uh, ever in your lifetime. So it's important that we begin to understand that. Now, in verse 1 of our text, uh, we see that he falls into a bottomless pit. He used the Greek word abyssos, which uh, we'll say, hear men say abyss. That's just a transliteration, but it is a bottomless pit. It's a bottomless pit. And we see that a star fell from heaven. Uh, I believe that is an angel. Throughout the Bible, you have angels are showed as bright and shining, their brightness. For an example, at the garden tomb, when Jesus arose from the dead, those women came early and they saw two angels in bright and shining garments and said, he is not here. And so you need to understand is that sometimes I believe that they are referred to as stars in the book of Job when the morning stars sang together. It's talking about angels. So you keep that in mind. Now, we look at Christians. We need to witness the gospel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 said, They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. That means giving the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to as many as you can. That's why you give out tracts. That's why you have a personal witness. I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul, in giving his testimony, said he, he is above many of his equals 
among the Sanhedrin and all that. I mean, he said he kept the law. He was right there. He was a Pharisee. He was right down the line. In his mind, he's a pretty righteous guy. You know, hey, I go to church. I never miss Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, hey, I, uh, I do this. I do that. And I, I get involved. Uh, I help. I, I give. I tithe. I, I can imagine that's the way you'd say it today. But Apostle Paul, after he gets saved, he says, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of Christ. Philippians 3, 9. And you say, now why is that important? For Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now, we're talking about the torments of hell. I don't think anybody would want to go there if they really believe that it's there. And it is, by the way. It is a reality. But there are many that if they do believe that there is a hell, there is a possibility, thinking that, well, you know, I'm not that bad a guy. I pay my taxes. I, uh, I don't break the law. Except on 36th Avenue when the lights flash and I go about 40 instead of 20. But, uh, you know, they, they say, I'm a pretty good guy. The Lord's going to measure my good against my bad, and I'll be good enough. No. Why? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Jesus Christ. You know, you're not measured by us. <laughs> None of us are measured one against the other. We come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. To be accepted in heaven, my Righteousness has to equal that of Christ if I'm going to try to make it on my own. None of us can go to heaven that way. I've got to be accepted in Christ. Ephesians 1, 6 says, accepted in the beloved. So my only way is to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It must be in his righteousness. He shed his blood on the cross. He paid the penalty entirely in full. He paid the penalty. For me, for you, for all of us. The song has been sung in this altar. I remember Mr. Llewellyn singing it. I remember others singing it. Uh, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. <laughs> you know what? I hadn't even sinned yet. I, hadn't, I wasn't even born yet. I was born a couple of years after that. Um, but I hadn't sinned yet. And yet, every sin I ever have or ever will commit was paid back then. He rose up victorious from the grave, but you know what? That blood had to be applied to the doorpost of this heart. That blood had to be applied to my account. It had to be paid in full. And you know what? The blood is there. When he ascended to heaven, he took that blood to put on that great mercy seat of heaven. And when you receive Christ, your sin comes under that blood. Your payment, your account is paid in full when you receive him as your Lord and Savior. But you're turning to him as Lord and Savior. Sometimes people say well, repentance is not necessary because repentance only means a change of mind. Well, let's talk about that. This lady here and I have been married for 51 years. Before she met me, she dated Tom, Dick, Harry, Joe, Bill, Tim, Tim, you know, I mean, she got them all. Me, 
ones that dated me lost a bet. Okay, now, when she said, I do, she had opportunity to get married before she met me. She really did. She had opportunity. She'd been asked. Now, she changed her mind. She changed her mind. When I got married, I changed my mind. Okay. Now, she doesn't go back to see those girls any, uh, guys anymore. I don't go back to see those girls anymore. <laughs> They're probably all dead at my age. But, uh, and we don't go back to see them anymore. Why? We changed the mind. That's repentance. Turning from, turning to. You don't, change, you don't turn from, turn to unless you change your mind about what you're turning from. Okay? It's not, well, let's see. I've got to quit this, and I've got to quit that, and I've got to quit this, I've got to quit that, and the Lord will save me. No. I'm going to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't get rid of this sin. Well, it's all right. If you'll come let me be the Lord, I'll take it from you. That's what he does. Now, you say, well, well you still sin afterwards? <laughs> don't talk to my wife about that. Um, but, yeah, I will. So will you. You know, when it says when we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the idea is that we continually sin and come short of the glory of God. That's why if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why in, in verse 7, he says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's written to Christians. Remember Peter getting his feet washed? Hey, all of me, Lord. No, you've already been washed all. Only your feet because you're walking in this world. But Peter's saved. I'm saved, but I tell you what, the feet get dirty in our walk in this world. Keep all your accounts with God right. Keep them all pure. Keep them all clean. Keep them all holy. So, the Lord gives an angel a key to this bottomless pit. You know, because it is a bottomless pit, there's always a sense of falling. There's always that sense of falling. Now look, now that I are a senior citizen, I could, I could probably could have jumped down from here down to there and not worry about it. Now, if I try that, it, I'm going to worry about it, okay, when I come to. Now, what I'm saying is, is that we get that fear. I mean, when a senior citizen, a lot of them, when they begin to trip or fall, what do we do? We grab our heads and we begin to roll even before we hit the ground. Why? Because we know a blow to the head can be a death nail for us. A fall to the ground can be a broken hip. So, so there are things that we do. And yet it doesn't guarantee that won't happen. Young people get the same feeling when they fall out of a tree or off the top of a house. So, so those things happen. But I'm just saying that in hell, there's that sensation of a bottomless pit. There's that sensation of always following, falling. Now, this angel, I believe, is an holy angel. 
He's been given the keys from the Lord to that bottomless pit. Jesus gained those keys. We've told you time and again that in Revelation 1.18, that he has the keys of hell and of death. And so he's giving this holy angel that key. Now, he would not give that to an unholy angel because there's a place there that's going to also torment the unholy angels. In Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, remembering that Jesus said in Matthew 25, 11, that hell was, was prepared for the devil and his angels. But in Revelation 14, we read in verse 10 and 11, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. It's not watered down. It's poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels. Not the bad angels. The holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now understand, that, that's addressed to those people in the tribulation period. They have a chance to get saved, they pass it up. They receive this mark of the beast, we call it. It's of his name. People argue about it's going to be a computer code. Some say, no, it's going to be the actual name. Uh, all those things. I, I, you know what? I just know when they say to receive a mark, you better not if you're still here. You better not. And the rapture has takes, it's taken place and you're still here. You're left behind. There's nothing but trouble ahead for you. Now, we've told you about the compartments of hell. Somebody dies without Christ right now. He goes down. If he's saved, he goes to a place that uh, back in the Old Testament, now it's, it's not there anymore, but in the Old Testament before Jesus rose from the dead, a saved person would go to paradise, or it's called Abraham's bosom. There was no torment there. There's no torture there for them. It was restful. It was peaceful. The next place was a great gulf that no man could cross. Nobody could cross it. They couldn't come from lower to there or from there to down there. They couldn't. Now the people in paradise and Abraham's bosom wouldn't want to go there. But they could. We do know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he took captivity captive. He took those that were in Abraham's bosom, he took them up into the heavenlies. And now when a person dies that's in Christ, their soul goes to the, be with the Lord in paradise. Now, that great gulf, though, is still there. And then there's Hades. That's where those souls that died without salvation. They're there now. The rich man has been there for 2,000 years, and he'll be down there forever. He said, I am tormented in his flame. He's still there. And he will remain there. So the rich man is in that flame. But then below that, the English word was hell in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I believe it is. Or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whatever it is. 2, verse 4, that's it. But uh, nonetheless, he's there. Hell, that's for the fallen spirits, the angels. Some of them is from the days of the flood. Why God put some of them there, not all of them, I don't know. 
But there's some there. They're in Tartarus. It was fearful enough that the man at Gadarene that was filled with a legion of devils said, don't send us there before the time. Please don't send us there before the time. We don't want to go there before the time. And so, that place is still there. And that's where souls are. Now, when the angel comes down and unlocks that bottomless pit, he is doing that in obedience to the Lord. I believe he's a holy angel. Holy angels torment those that are in hell with the Lamb of God in that eternal lake of fire. But the place that's hell right now is going to be cast into the eternal lake of fire from the white throne judgment of God at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. But understand, that is what's going on right now. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. So we not only see fire and brimstone, but we see smoke ascending up forever and ever. No rest, day nor night. There is no relief. You say, well, what about that? Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, Jesus uh, speaks of those who are cast out into outer darkness, and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> My dad owned a gnash back in the 1950s, and he gnashed his teeth a lot back then, <laughs> but uh, there'll be gnashing of teeth. You say, well, what all does that mean to us? Because when he opens the pit, that smoke's going to come out. It's going to darken everything. It's going to darken the sun. It's going to darken the moon, the skies, the air, everything. It's coming up out of there. And there's darkness. Outer darkness, Jesus said. They tell me, and I've not experienced this, but they tell me if you go down into a cave where they do the coal mines and all that. You can go down there, however far, a mile down, whatever it is. Turn out the lights and put your hand in front of your face. You just won't ever see it. You just can't see it. You won't see it at all. That's outer darkness. The man cast into hell will have outer darkness when Death and hell cast into that eternal lake of fire. The man that's in hell today is still tormented. But it'll be worse then. People who die without Jesus Christ today are in hell. And they are tormented. There is fire. There is brimstone. And we read in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20, there's been a tribulation on the earth. Christ comes back in the 19th chapter. And as he comes back, and the blood will flow, according to Revelation chapter 16, to the horse's bridle. But that world leader, the beast, it says, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, 
with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. That beast and false prophet are not cast into the hell where people go today, even though that's terrible. They don't want to go there themselves. They're the first ones into the eternal lake of fire. They're cast there. At the end of the millennium, after that thousand years, when God judges, we see in Revelation chapter 20, because Satan has also been chained for that thousand years, but he's released for a short season. But then when Christ comes back, and those in our class, Brother Lewis Woodard will be teaching that next Sunday. But nonetheless, I'm just saying when he comes back, it says in Revelation 20:10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, the devil, his demons or his devils, however you want to refer to them, are, are not the ones that do the tormenting. Those super spirits are tormented themselves in that lake. That's why it's holy angels that do this. Those in Tartarus, those spirits that are in Tartarus, they've been there since the day, but no other demon wants to go there before it's time. What I'm saying today is that there is a fire. There's a hopelessness. There's no relief for water. As a rich man wanted just Lazarus to dip his finger in water and to be able to come and touch his tongue with, with his finger with water on it. The body cannot disintegrate. The spirit cannot cease to exist forever. And yet, Tartarus, where those fallen devils are that were chained there, those demons that were placed there in Noah's day, they're there. The men, the people that died and went to Hades, they don't have their original bodies. Their bodies are in the grave somewhere. But evidently, the Lord makes bodies that will endure that, that cannot pass away. What about those devils? They're spirits. They're chained. Well, how are they chained? Maybe it's to a body that cannot escape. That pit is open, the smoke ascendeth up. You think, well, spirits can man, they can just go up right with it. As a matter of fact, some teach these little creatures that come out, we'll see in the next verse next week, they, they are demons. No, they're not. But what I'm saying is, they're chained down there as well, whether it's in a body or something else. They are there. We're not going to say which it is because we can't actually say it with authority that we know exactly what it is. But those devils cannot escape. They're tormented as well. And that smoke is so thick. It's like a great furnace. The world has not seen anything like this because the smoke covers everything. Again, verse 2, the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke in the pit. And that's going to happen in the tribulation hour after we've been raptured out. 
smoke so thick, the surrounding air is even darkened. Today we talk about smoke inhalation. And there's nothing that can be done about it in that day. Yes, that opening unleashes a thick smoke the world has yet to see at anything at this level. Mount St. Helens exploded there. Many of you remember that years ago out there in Washington. We could actually see Paul out in the state of Florida from it. Not like they did out there, but we could actually see it. But what this is, the smoke coming out of the pit is, makes Saint Hel- Mount St. Helens seem like nothing in comparison. Verse 3, we'll see that Christians uh, that come out, or creatures that come out, should I say, but they won't be able to be seen. Why? Because the sky has been darkened. They can't see. Why is it important for it to be darkened? That might be one of the realities of the hell. I believe the Lord is giving you a vestibule of hell. Not in it, but you're looking through the window and you can see it inside. And what are we seeing? We're seeing the reality that it's so dark and the smoke is so full that these little creatures that are there. The other things that torment. If it's brimstone, you might be walking, but you don't see the brimstone and you step on it. And it'll feel just like it would a hot burning brimstone would feel to us today. Those little creatures that come out with the stings, perhaps you'll hear them, but you can't see them. You're in outer darkness. And the greatest tragedy is that you could have been saved from it. You can be saved today from it. You really can. All you have to do is come to Jesus Christ and he'll save you. Him that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out, he has said. And he means it. Just understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9 through 11. Oh boy, what a terrible list. Murderers, homosexuals, perverts, drunkards. You go on down the line. It's listed there in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 of 1 Corinthians. You know what he says? Such were some of you. You can't get rid of some of those sins, but the Lord can take them from you. If you'll receive him and say, all right, Lord, I'm giving you my life. Take my sin away. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to be your child. I want my eternity to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want saved from my sin. My friend, he'll do it. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have an invitation. This invitation is for you to have the opportunity to come and receive Christ as Savior if you're not saved. But I want to bring to mind one other thing that we learned earlier about hell, as it is today. When the rich man called out to Abraham to send him somebody, 
and put his finger in water and touch his tongue, he said, Son, remember. One of the great agonies of mental torment in hell. You're here today. You're not sure if you died that heaven's your home. You'll remember this day that you had an opportunity. If you reject it, hell is your eternal home. Are you sure if you died today that heaven's your home? But hey, parent, son, daughter, do you have that loved one that's not saved? Have you witnessed to them? Have you prayed for them? This is open every Sunday morning, Sunday evening to come and pray. Is their soul worth coming to pray for? Do you love them enough to come pray for them? Can we expect someone to respond to the saving gospel of Christ if we won't respond in love for their soul? Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's make it all right. Let's get right with God.